For China Current continues its special coverage on the coronavirus outbreak, go to our social media at the China Current and our website for interviews, videos, and podcasts. I'm James Chow. Thank you. Ambassador He Yafei is one of China's foremost diplomats. In a long career, he was posted to Africa, North America, and Europe. He served as permanent representative to the United Nations in Geneva and as vice foreign minister in Beijing. He's very much a figure who continues to bridge China to the heart of global affairs, and that is why I wanted to engage him on his important thoughts at this time. The outbreak of COVID-19, which is also referred to in China as NCP for novel coronavirus pneumonia, means many people who happen to be back in their hometowns for Chinese New Year are unexpectedly still there a few weeks later. Ambassador He is one of them. He's originally from Zhejiang Province, where you can find lots of beautiful natural landscape in areas like Hangzhou and Ningbo. I called him in Zhejiang. Good morning, Ambassador.、Hello. How are you? Good morning you? too. Fine, fine. Ambassador He, thank you very much for speaking with me today, and not only as Ambassador He, but as someone who is in your hometown right now in Zhejiang Province. What does it feel like, and how are you? Fine. It's a pleasure really talking to you again.、Uh, I'm in Zhejiang because I have been spending my Spring festival with with the families, and because of the epi- epidemic, what we call NCP,、um, we were all we have been all homed up, you know, and、uh, there are very strict、uh, regulations for people not to go around and socialize, so that、uh, the measures taken by government.、Uh, At different levels, can be effective to prevent the spread of、uh, NCP. So you're not going out at all right now. I'm not going out so much、uh, to meet friends, for instance, to have gatherings, or out of the community、uh, compound we live in. We live in,、uh, but you are certainly free to to go to the supermarket. Uh, as long as you have a, a mask on, and、uh, there are no、uh, that strict restrictions, you can take a walk within the compound, you know where you live, and、uh, certainly you can say hello to your neighbor. There's no harm done. And in Zhejiang, especially in the place I am living now, we call Anji Anji. There are not a single case. Of NCP up to now, so it's pretty safe. And talking about supermarkets and just trying to get through each day, even though there are no、uh, infections, confirmed cases where you are,、um, what are supplies like? Can you get everything that you need?、Uh, the supermarket is as usual, full of supplies. Vegetables, you know, rice and、uh, uh, f- what we call wheat, fl- wheat flour, wheat flour, and everything. Everything is in in, in plenty supply. 
There are no shortage. And there are no people uh, rushing to buy things uh, for stocking at home, etc. Nothing of that sort. Everything is as normal. Uh, the only noticeable change is there are a bit less people than before in the supermarket. There's no hurry, you know. Uh, this is a normal life. This is very different, though, to what's happening in Wuhan and in the surrounding areas in Hubei province, which is, it's a very, very painful time for the millions of people there. Has this taken you by surprise that this new virus occurred and that it seems to have spread so quickly? Uh, Wuhan is a special case. I think Wuhan and Hubei, where uh, the epidemic uh, broke out, and uh, spread within the province is a special case. It has been contained and controlled thanks to the concentration of or mobilization of national resources under the strong leadership of President Xi Jinping and the central government. I think things are getting better. Uh, we were a little surprised by what, what had happened in Wuhan, but not so much so that we feel it's a national crisis, as if you know, life stopped. And you know, I had once served as ambassador, Chinese ambassador in Geneva to WHO. So I am quite familiar with the international uh, regime or efforts to cope with the outbreak of uh, and, and epidemics. You know, we experienced uh, SARS in 2003. So for China, it's not such a surprise. We we didn't expect uh, it will be repeated, but we certainly know the world is will not be uh, devoid of any virus attacks in the future. It, it, it's it's uh, it's something you have to live with. The only thing you need to do is to, to strengthen your research and set up a national emergency response system at different levels. So when something happens, you need to react quickly, uh, but folks, of course, on solid evidence and something has happened based on scientific uh, evidence. Uh, I think at this time, Chinese government, Chinese people, or China for that purpose, has acted timely and effectively. We don't know what's going to happen in terms of the future course of this particular outbreak or this new virus that the world didn't even know about until uh, many weeks ago. But what we do know for sure is that another disease epidemic or pandemic will occur in some part of the world, maybe in the very near future, maybe in the not too distant future. We've been warned again and again about this as a world. What are the lessons that we can take from this and apply to everywhere? Uh, I think the lessons we should have, uh, we should learn from this epidemic, SCP happening in China. And, uh, you know, those happened in the past, Ebola, H1N1 uh, in the United States, Ebola in Africa. And certainly they're going to happen in the future, elsewhere, or even in China. You know, uh, virus is something uh, 
humankind so far has not been able to 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 completely eliminate and it's part of the world what humankind i think we should learn this lesson is that we need to get prepared this is one thing secondly we need to learn more about virus mm-hmm. the origin of virus uh in what conditions it will uh come back possibly and uh lots of ind should be put into that i think people we use humankinds so the you know, international community for that matter we put a lot of efforts uh money equipment into and how we can prevent war for instance weapons of mass destruction uh, etc but we haven't paid enough attention to life threatening viruses we tend to take for granted you know it will not kill us all and there is something and something <laughs> it do happen from time to time so kind of we take it for granted it's it's incredible because as you said we're so willing to invest resources in many many other areas in almost every other area but in what keeps us going which is health and well-being that's the fundamental of life i sometimes think that we humans refuse to listen to history that we are very resilient but also we're very arrogant by nature why don't we learn from history as a race as human kind why if we fail to learn from the spanish influenza from the uh, ebola from mers where have we gone wrong as a world uh i think we have been complacent in a way we have been complacent with the advance of medicine and technology we believe you know everything is curable which is not true we are not true uh, and also viruses uh it will happen from time to time but we have we have been avoided the repeat of the the spanish flu for instance happened in europe a long time happening happened in europe there were no global outbreak of an epidemic this time too you know thanks to china china's efforts it has been claimed within china claimed within china contained and only less than 1% of deaths occurred outside of china so people uh tend to believe it's it can be it can be localized actually we have witnessed a lot of uh lots of happenings in africa from time to time but we tend to neglect it we think it's localized it can be contained and does not cause much deaths worldwide i have when i was in geneva i heard very often from WHO experts from Margaret Chan for instance the former director general uh warning warning us and not just china but the world that virus is dangerous we need to put in more resources in in trying to 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 do more research to set set up in every country 
strengthen your public uh, health uh, system and response response emergency response system etc so that whenever it happens we have something ready to cope with it let's talk about some of those containment efforts so china put a number of areas on lockdown with over 50 million people largely confined to their homes so that it doesn't spread further through the country so that it doesn't spread beyond its borders into the world. There are many cases around the world, but they're relatively very small compared to the tens of thousands of confirmed cases in the Chinese mainland. So my question here is that one of the flip sides to that has been uh, the productivity of the economy obviously has slowed because people can't back, get back to the big cities. Um, that's a kind of sacrifice in itself, isn't it? It is a sacrifice, you're right. I think we need to seriously consider what we need to do to balance. On the one hand, we should continue to fight the virus with whatever resource we have, with necessary measures in place, uh, not you know, quickly lifting everything we have been imposed on ourselves. It is a sacrifice. But on the other hand, we need to also uh, think very seriously what it can uh, what it can hurt the Chinese economy. And in this highly interconnected world of globalization, when Chinese economy is hurt, it can also have spillover effects to other countries because China is right in the middle of the global supply chain, global production chain. We have been hearing stories already about car makers. They cannot really you know, fulfill their production quota because the supplies, components, not being uh, produced adequately in China. Uh, for apples too, the same thing happening to, to, to apples. So in this globalized world, China, is in a very difficult position. On the one hand, as can continue to fight, and some measures have to be have to be imposed. On the other hand, I think the government now has been all out try to restore uh, production of goods. And uh, in this connection, I have to say that uh, some countries overreacted to international health regulations, the recommendations by uh, WHO, and by cutting off uh, totally air links, trade links with China. So even if China fully restores its production, it still faces with some countries the transportation problem. So this is a globalized world and we need global efforts. I spoke to one economist who says that international travel restrictions will end up hurting themselves. That's true. That's very much true. Uh, because you see, the epidemic is generally speaking, by and large, already under control in China. And China has been making a great sacrifice, especially Wuhan and Wubei. Hubei, 
and of course, a special case. But in other parts of China, we have been seeing, we have seen declining of confirmed cases for over two weeks already. A straight line, declining in a straight line. So we can certainly see this is. I'm not a scientist or an expert on epidemics, but I can see the line, and also can see what is happening in other parts of China. It's already been, you know, become kind of back to normal in terms of production, but still. Problem problems exist. There are restrictions on highways that have been removed. You know, restrictions imposed on people living in certain quarters. You know, if you travel to a a a a place, you'll be under under voluntary quarantine for fourteen days, for instance. That will hinder, certainly hinder, <coughs> uh, enterprises to return to normal. But measures have been taken try to maintain the balance between a very urgent need to restart a jumpstart the economy, which has been kind of putting in dormant position、uh, for 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 one month and a half. So you can expect that Chinese economy will、uh, will suffer a little bit in short term. And therefore, it will have implications for global economy, but it will be over very soon, I think. I covered SARS as a journalist, and many people, for obvious reasons, have been comparing、uh, this outbreak of coronavirus to SARS. But I actually lean more on HIV and AIDS. My work there、um, shows me that travel restrictions internationally. Don't really work. You can't really shut down the border completely, and when you do that, you only encourage people to travel in secret and to keep their travel history to themselves. And if they become infected, they don't seek treatment from、uh, primary healthcare or from hospitals because they're now scared because they've broken some rule. And、um, do you think that these travel restrictions are going to have the same impact internationally? That it's going to end up. Hurting people and maybe prolonging the outbreak longer than it needs to be. I agree. I agree. I think we should. We need to listen to the recommendations by WHO.、Uh, we understand some cautionary measures, in more inspections, for instance,、uh, for travelers to go through、uh, checkpoints. Uh, Cross border, whether air travel, you know, by train, etc., it's understandable. We need to have、uh, more inspections to make sure that anybody who carries virus will pass through. That's all right, but not overreact to the point that, that you will cut off international travel. If you cut off international travel, certainly you will cut off international trade. I mean, the whole world will be kind of locked in, in kind of war state. It will hurt economy not in short term, but also will disrupt global supply chain. It's a long term effect, especially now when global economy faces a a a downward pressure, a stronger and stronger downward pressure.
2020 will be a very essential and important year for global economy to uh, to grow. We have had, we have had high hopes after 2019. You know, IMF have projected 2019 GDP growth globally will be three percent. It's already very low compared to 2012, 2010. But if 20, 2010, 2020 starts like this, already started, you know, hesitantly, economically speaking, but we need to think very carefully between the balance. We maintain a balance. It's important. I do not discount the importance of fighting the virus for the sake of fighting the virus, China has made a sacrifice. But China also realized we need to start our economic activities as normally as possible. You talk about this being the start of a new year. It's also the start of a whole new decade, 2020. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. January felt like the longest January I had ever experienced myself Uh it seemed to go on for a very long time you're not just a former diplomat who has represented china at some of the highest levels in geneva at the united nations you're also a man of the world when you put those different experiences together and the insights that they provide you what do you think is going to happen to the world and how should we prepare ourselves for 2020 just for this year alone what would you tell us I think we need to have a normal uh, set of mind and a mindset, normal mindset. Uh, virus uh, will happen. You know, new viruses will, will, will appear, will emerge from time to time. And uh, we need to make a greater efforts in identifying, in fight against uh, new, newly emerging viruses. It's an ongoing uh, fight. It's going to, you know, it, it kind of makes us believe, I think this virus has, a, has an effect of a wake-up call, a kind of wake-up call uh, telling us that, hey, look, you know, we live really in a world that is complicated, a lot of threats. I call it one of, this is one of non-traditional security threats non-traditional. We have been telling people there will be lots of non-traditional uh, security threats because of war, so to speak, because of nuclear weapons in possession uh, in the possession of many countries, is not an option, really. You may see military clashes from time to time, but war, I don't think it's not good. We're going to not, not going to see war uh, in the foreseeable future. But what is more important most threatening to humankind is, you know, non-traditional threats like viruses, especially for public health. Global public health is extremely important. Extremely important. I think we we need to be uh, more conscious of these threats. Uh, We need to do more from basic research to prevention uh, as far as China is concerned, or for that matter, U.S. is included, we need to, for instance, do more in Africa because they have much weaker public health system. 
you know, when I look at China, I can see we are fortunate because of SARS. We have set up since SARS, we set up a national system that can cope with such an outbreak of virus. You can see the quick mobilization nationally of all kinds of resources. We're also thankful to international assistance, for instance, from Japan, from Europe, including from the United States. And we're grateful for the international efforts or assistance to, to help China to tide over the difficulties. But I think if we look into the future, Africa and those countries with weaker public health system or the, there was a lack of emergency response system, we need to do more. Need to do more because virus, as we, as I understand, you understand too, respects no borders. There are no borders for viruses. And in this highly connected world, one airplane, one flight can carry the virus from one from place A to place B and then go on. So I think we need to look at this issue from a global governance perspective. We need to strengthen global governance, not only economically to look for a better economic growth model, but I think we need to look more carefully and spend more time on global health governance. I think you're absolutely right. I think it was AIDS that was uh, the very first health issue to be recognized as a UN Security Council resolution. I think it was 1308, recognizing that health and particularly that virus threaten peace and development in the same way I think all of these viruses can be regarded and perhaps as the best way. And also in terms of preparedness that you spoke about earlier uh, is the finest way in which we can honor the more than 2000 people who have died uh, to date in this current outbreak. Ambassador Hoyafe, thank you very much for sharing your thoughts on the world. Thank you very much. It's my pleasure. Hope to see you soon.